Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G Live, your weekly dose of board gaming news and discussions right here only on the Gaming Library Facebook page. How's everybody doing? Magandang gabi sa inyong lahat. Mabuhay. We have a very special guest. And of course, first of all, my name is Leo, joined by Chief Meepo Hans. And of course, you know who it is. We've been hyping it up the past week or so. Please welcome Jamie Stegmeyer of Stone Meyer Games. Jamie, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for that introduction. <laughs> and um, we have a lot of people watching. Uh, a lot of people have been so excited to have you on. And we've gathered a lot of questions. And we'll be asking you that throughout tonight's show. But first, we need to check in on how you're doing on your side of the world. So uh, tell us about that. How has lockdown been for you? It's been, I, I'm used to working from home. So that, that has been... Uh, really normal for me. It, it has been just a very weird time, as you guys have experienced too, to, to, to be in the middle of a real worldwide pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people are very impacted by it. I'm doing my small part by, you know, making games that people can have, hopefully have fun with while they're in self-isolation. But uh, yeah, um, America is, is, is not doing too well with the disease right now. So hopefully we'll, we'll figure that out soon. Yeah, uh, the rest of the world is just catching up as well. And, you know, it, it, it's our little things that we do to make the world a better place that uh, we can actually contribute and just keep chugging along, fighting the good fight. Hans, ikaw, how are you doing, man? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're doing great. Um, for the first time, I've seen uh, all of our all of my colleagues in the office back in the office. Oh, yeah. So uh, it, it, it's a welcome change. Uh, we are trying to get back uh, up to speed uh, in, in terms of board games uh, people are I'm so happy that people are looking for this hobby as an alternative means of entertainment especially now with parents um, it, it's the first time we've, we were hearing moms and dads saying that um, they're taking advantage of the time they get to spend with their family at home uh, for context Jamie uh, it's normal for us to travel two hours, uh, one way to work and back to home. So most of the time when you get off work uh, and you get dinner, you're home by around 8 to 9 p.m. and you're too tired already. So now people don't have to travel far because uh, they work from home and um, they see now that they have the opportunity to play with their family. And board games present uh, the right form of both i guess fun and learning at the same time uh yeah. and that's why we're seeing a growth in in, in the community yep and uh a lot of those games that, that we're actually moving these days are, are actually some of your titles so uh we'll get to learn more about uh what jamie's work is like and uh you know a little bit of a personal insight on one of our favorite designers who's responsible for one of our favorite games for sure at least my top three definitely but uh, Hans I will open the floor to you first um, are there any questions you want to ask uh, Jamie or shall I go ahead to our community uh, before we uh, go to you uh, I guess one of my uh, first questions would be um, if you weren't a board game designer like what path or career would you have taken uh, I, guess, I guess it's really more of an more of a personal insight question rather than just being all about board games. Yeah, yeah. I had two little careers before this career. Uh, for the first four years after university, I worked as a, uh, a project manager at a medical textbook publishing company. I was managing authors and typesetters and um, 
in fact, I think we actually worked with a company in the Philippines um, oh. at that time. Uh, and then after that, I worked as a, a director of operations at a nonprofit facility at a university here in St. Louis. And so both of those jobs, that was about 10 years of my life. And so I, I enjoyed doing both of those things. At this point, if I had to stop doing board games today and do something else, I'd probably work in marketing. A lot of my job has become marketing and, and uh, I kind of say sales, but I, I enjoy the marketing side more. So that's probably where I would take my career if I could no longer work in the board game. I love it. It's... I, I think like one of the biggest credits uh, or one of the reputation that I hear from several people in the community is that you're you're one of the more open and transparent uh, board game designer slash publisher. Like uh, you give numbers and thoughts and ideas that normally a company would keep as confidential or secret. So I think that's that's one of the ways that they feel very connected strongly uh, to you. That's great. That's great to hear. Yeah, I, I I like the I well part of it is I like to process my thoughts in writing and in videos, and so I, I write a lot about entrepreneurship and crowdfunding, and I make videos about. Um, games published by other people, designed by other people, and I do that so I can kind of learn from them and process that information by sharing it with others. Uh, I, I hopefully get to lift up the the industry and the community that I love, a wonderful industry to be a part of. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure even if you did have to quit board games right now and you went into marketing, um, your 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 uh, your footprints would would still be there and you would still be affecting the business in some way, given how open you are about it. And that's what I was, you know, just, just so happy about. Uh, we got a few friends in uh, the chat right now, and uh, just want to say hi to Willow and of course to Ernie and to Ivan. If you guys are watching right now, do share the stream. Let everyone know that Jamie is live on G Live with us tonight. And uh, with that, I think we will go to some of our community questions. And uh, a lot of them are are from longtime fans of Stonemaier Games. A lot of them. Are are from uh, also newer uh, members of the board gaming community so we're gonna get you know a good variety um, I'm gonna ask you first Jamie uh, you want something about board games or you want something about you first let's do uh, let's do board games all right cool let's do board games first uh, here's one that's uh, a little closer to uh, the designing aspect of uh, the business uh, this is coming from Sam uh, she asks how do you approach randomness in your games yeah, yeah. Uh, in a couple different ways. I, I, I love a little bit of, of um, like, the Tapestry is one of our recent games. There is a little bit of dice rolling in Tapestry. I love dice rolling typically when you're always getting something good out of the dice roll. Um, that's one thing I enjoy. I also enjoy where you have, I believe it's output randomness, where you might roll a few dice and then you pick one of those dice. So there's some variability, there's some randomness there, but you're still making a decision. Um, and the other point of randomness that is a little bit controversial about our games is there are a few of our games where you were drawing random cards yeah. or a random card and adding it to your hand. This happens in Viticulture. There, there are cards that you're drawing blind and adding them to your hand. It also happens in Tapestry. You're drawing a random card. Mm. And uh, for me, it's about where the decision point is, where the entry decision point is. In some games, the decision point might be, okay, when you draw a card, you draw two and you pick one of them. Uh, and that decision is, which card am I going to draw? But in my games, I'm more interested in giving players a lot of stuff, a lot of cards, a lot of resources. And the decision, decision point isn't, which card am I going to choose, but which card am I going to draw? It's, which of the many cards that I have am I going to play? 
and when am I going to play it? So that's, that's an element of randomness in the game, you know, a random card draw, but, uh, but I personally prefer that that uh, that type of decision. And players a lot of options and uh, letting them choose when they're going to use Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I guess uh, I, I actually would 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 uh, say more about that if uh, I was of the uh, game design community. But uh, as as an, as a player, I uh, actually enjoy it when there's more control over the randomness. And again, a single die roll that's not too random, especially if you can draw a card, uh, draw two cards, pick one. Uh, that that kind of helps with the uh, control output. A uh, couple more questions from Sam, real quick. Can you say anything about Project Sand? Yeah, well, let's see, what can I say? So Project Sand, Project Sand is a game that I will officially be announcing next Wednesday. Um, I put out a few spoiler images. Yeah, so that'll be Wednesday, uh, July 1st. I'll start talking about it. Um, I What can I say about it? Because that I, that I, I don't want to spoil too much, but I want to say something new uh-huh. since Sam wanted to really ask about it. Uh I will say I'll, I'll go with the player count. I haven't said the player count yet. It is a one to five player game. Oh, um, like many of our games. That's, that's not actually a big spoiler, but it does play solo. It does play really well with two players. Uh, the board has it, kind of like a tapestry. There's one side of the board for one to three players, and another side of the board for four and five players. Um, so yeah. The player guy, you guys are the first to, to know that. Nice, that's, that's a, that's a G Live exclusive one to five yeah. for Project Sand. All right, so we're a week ahead when it comes to the news. Uh, there is one more question from Sam here uh, Are there any new hobbies you developed since the lockdown? Since the lockdown, um, I'm trying to think of anything new. No, I had to give up on a hobby actually. Huh? One, one thing that I picked up in the last year is indoor rock climbing, I got really into, into indoor rock climbing. And unfortunately, it's it's a sport where you are touching a lot of things on a wall that a lot of other people are touching. And so I had to completely give that up during the lockdown. During the lockdown, I've been cooking a little bit more, but I've, I've always cooked a little bit. So I haven't really picked that up. No, uh, I guess maybe the one thing is all uh, digital gaming. I, I typically do not play a lot of video games. I still don't play a lot, but I've played a little bit more during the during the lockdown. Uh-huh. You mind us asking what games you've been getting into? Yeah, the main one that uh, I've been playing a, a fair number of games that are that are tabletop games that are ported into digital form. But the one that is different, a game called Slay the Spire. Have you heard of that oh, one? Yeah. Slay the Spire. Yeah, that's a, it's a roguelite deck builder. Yeah. So how was that? Well, can you tell yeah. us about your experience with Slay the Spire as a game designer? What, what, what are your insights? What are your quick takes? Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff that happens in it, but one of the unique things I think that makes it stand out from other deck builders is that uh, most deck builders, you, where there is a combat element, you are choosing on your turn to either spend some resources to acquire new cards or to do damage to whatever you're trying to do damage to the other player, uh, third party, uh, AI, things like that. But instead of the Spire, each little encounter is only about the combat, and then it's after the encounter that you have the chance to get some new cards, to get a random card, to buy some cards. I thought that was really interesting to separate those two elements so that um, you can kind of, it's more focused. You're really focusing on one thing, and then you're focusing on another thing, and then you go to another. That, that I thought was pretty innovative. I see. Yep, definitely. Uh, the roguelite deck builder has been an up-and-coming genre in the world of video games, and it, it's nice that you know even the the industry uh, members such as yourself are getting into it. You know, and it's nice to possibly maybe one day get those two cro- the, the two paths crossing. Uh, Hans, have you played a little bit of *Slay the Spire*? 
no, but uh, I keep seeing a lot of my friends playing it right? on Steam. Right. Um, yeah. And um, actually, this actually leads me to uh, one of my other questions. Uh, would you ever consider uh, making a pure digital uh, game um, in Stonemaier's vision, or would you consider it as a totally separate venture? It would probably be a totally separate venture. That's an interesting question. I I would not rule out the possibility. Um, if I was ever like designing a tabletop game and I kept running into issues that could be solved by making it digital, um, I might consider it then. Um, I'm glad you asked that because I'd actually really never thought about that. Every time I run into those constraints, I cut them out and fix them so it works for a tabletop game. But maybe in the future, if I if I start to realize that, that there's a lot of stuff for one game, I'll I'll, I'll try to give it a, a digital digital version. I think it would take it would be a pretty big challenge because I would need to hire outside developers. I know nothing about programming or developing. Right. Yeah, maybe someday. Yeah, <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the, the results would be su- surprising, and I'm saying it now, great. All right, because because the uh, at least from what I know, uh, the implementations of some of your current games, such as Scythe, and along the way now Wingspan. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, what was the game that was in beta, Hans? Wingspan. There you go, right. Yeah. Uh, Wingspan. Uh, I hear they have great uh, implementations. I've been waiting to pull the trigger on Scythe for the longest time now and I'm uh, pretty sure this lockdown is going just going to pull me over the edge possibly in the next 48 hours to just say yes <laughs> and I'm looking forward to that first uh, Jamie Stegmeier design uh, that is like just natively uh, a video game but uh, yeah uh, this might be a good question uh, for that thought process you know like the first video game that you design from the ground up uh, do you have a favorite fictional setting? This one's a personal question. I've always wanted to ask you that. Uh, do you have a favorite fictional setting? Fictional setting. Um, I, I was thinking about this recently in terms of uh, dystopian fiction. I, I made, a, I designed a game called Euphoria, which is set in a dystopian world. But I don't think I'd actually want to live in a dystopian <laughs> world. Actually, I mean, we've been talking about side. I love the world of Scythe. Like, mm-hmm. if I could go to a, 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 a theme park, like a Disney World, but for Scythe, just walk around, and kind of like the, the, the new Star Wars amusement parks, I, I, I want to go to those someday just because I want to walk around in that world for a little while. But if I could go to a Scythe world, I would do it in a heartbeat. I think that would be amazing. Especially since in Scythe, like, there is a little bit of war and conflict, but it, a lot of the setting of Scythe takes place after the war. So yeah. you still have these awesome mechs that are, that are around, yeah. but they're not actually not worried for your life. Yeah. And- yeah. I would, I'd, it's not a world too different from ours. It's it's literally like a what if. Okay. Uh, yeah. Where do you think you would yeah. fit in, Jamie? Where, what do you, what do you think? Would you what country would you be part of? What would you be doing? Yeah, I'm part Polish actually. Uh huh. There um, you go. Part, I'm part Polish, part German, and part Irish. And so there is a there's a German inspired faction and a Polish inspired faction. So maybe in one of those two. Um, I'd love, I'd love to be in one of those mechs, whether I'm an engineer just helping help the mech run or on the, the driver, the, you know, the navigator. Yep. Any of those roles, I think, would be cool. All right. So whenever I play the Polish or the German faction, I will definitely keep that in mind and say, this is the Jamie mech, all right? Nobody. Nobody touch this. <laughs> Speaking of the world of Scythe, um, here's a question from Ben. Uh, do you have a favorite animal companion in the Scythe universe? I do love the bear. The bear is actually based on a real bear that was in the 
Polish army. That, that amazed me too. They actually, like, can you imagine in, in the current world that we had bears in our armies? How amazing that would be! But that was a real thing in the 1920s. So, I, I got to go with the bear. What about you guys? Do you have a favorite animal in, in the inside? Hans, you go first. It's the eagle, wolves, the, the giant muskox, mm -hmm. um, the, the tiger. Yeah. Uh, for for me, it's still the bear because just because it really stands out on, on, on the miniatures. Um, I especially if you put aside the leaders right beside each other, you will really won't notice the other ones except for the bear. <laughs> I actually like the the monkey, the Japanese monkey. Yeah, that that one's so finesse. It's 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 like the perfect uh, companion. You know, I think it's because of all the animals. Animal Companions is the closest to a cat because of the size, right? And it's right, it's, it's, right. Just, it's just a friend, you know. It's a companion. It, it is what it is. Like I don't expect it to fight on my behalf. It's it's a mascot for my army. But uh, that brings me to another question. This one's again uh, from a large group of our community. Actually, they're all wondering about your cat, Jamie. Can you tell us about your cat? He shows up in a lot of the pictures, or is it she? Actually, it's two cats. They're both boys. I'm there you go. Them, they're not in here right now, but. Uh... Yeah, they are. They, they do. Yeah, I use them as Easter eggs in many of our games. They they are inside. They're kind of hard to see inside. They what? are in one of the encounter cards. Oh, the cards. Um, okay, and they're, they're doing well. Yeah. All right, yeah. love it. Oh, your your cats are named B uh, Biddy and Walter. He is thirteen years old, and Walter is around ten years old. Thirteen. All right. Wow. I love it. Okay, cool. Uh, Hans and I are also cat dads. Well, Hans has dogs too, but I have a single. Yeah, I have a single cat. His name is Cops. Uh, does does Biddy or Walter ever get in like the way of your on your of your little components on the board, or are they like you know they're chill about it? Um, they mostly know to stay off the table. But uh, like the other day, I was doing a, a little photo shoot for Codename Sand, and Biddy definitely got on the table. And then, so there's some photos with him, belly right. in the box and rubbing against the, the game box. Uh, we have a question from the community, like, uh, what is Biddy's uh, favorite game? Biddy's <laughs> favorite game? Uh, well, Biddy loves rubber bands, and so I, I can't think of a game that actually uses a rubber... I, like, there are lots of games that have rubber bands in them to like, hold the cards together, but he, any game that has rubber bands in it, he is very excited about it. Your, cat, your cats play with rubber bands, or do they have like a, something like that that they're always excited about? Um, in here, uh, they all love the cartons and the boxes. Uh, they use it as scratching yeah. posts. So, and then at night, um, they they feel like it's like a training um circuit. Mm. So, they, uh, uh, I have like five to six cats right now, and I, they make a lot of noises uh, at night, just jumping around the whole place. <laughs> I just checked on my little guy. He's asleep. Cops is like a, a year old kitten. Well, I don't know if you can call him a kitten, but he's a baby. He's the baby. Uh, and he likes anything on the board that stands up. So those first player tokens, anything that's like yay high, he just likes just knocking them over. That's his thing. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I need to train him with board games yet. Um, here's another question. We're talking about little friends. Oh, here's one of them. Here's one of them. Yeah. Hello. Here's Walter. Hey, Walter. Oh, Walter. Oh, oh, Lord. Look at Walter. <laughs> Wait. I, yeah, my, my, he's asleep. I don't want to bother him. But yeah, um, we're talking about our little friends. And here's another question uh, from Ben again. Uh, is there anything else like My Little Scythe happening in the future? You know, a more streamlined, possibly for a younger audience uh, version of uh, one of your uh, more popular titles. Uh, 
unfortunately, we don't have anything in the works like that. Uh, My Little Scythe came about, it, it wasn't, I don't know if you know the story behind it. Basically, it wasn't that I went out and said, I want to make a, a family version of Scythe. Someone created it. Yeah. And uh, we kind of ran with it because it was pretty cool. So currently, there is nothing in the works, but I am open to doing it in the future. If there's something that that works in that way, that is, My Little Scythe delighted me the first time I played because it, it felt like Scythe, but it also felt distinctly different. So if something like if someone else came up with it, I would be open to it. I don't have kids though, so I think it would help for the designer to have kids. Yeah, so yeah. Working on. Uh, it. Correct me if I'm wrong. My little scythe was like a father and daughter design. Yeah. Was yeah. The daughter I think was around five years old, and the father, uh, yeah, the father worked on it with her. All right, so I guess that's an open call for like. Stonemeyer Games fans who have like families and kids, right? It's on to you guys because Jamie's taking designs. All right. Um, here's another tapestry question. Let's move along from Scythe. This one's from Ron. How did you go about balancing the civilizations in tapestry? What was the mindset when you were uh, tackling that? Yeah, this is a good question and, and something that uh, that I've tried to do better since tapestry. Um, basically, we play tested it a lot. We play tested it hundreds of times uh, with with people around the world, tested it in their groups um, to try to to try to balance the sixteen different civilizations in tapestry. However, we didn't do. I don't think we did the best job. I, I think we the number of play tests were fine, but um, I don't think I did a, as good of a job as I could have at analyzing the data that I got from those play tests. And so there are a few factions that we've had to make small starting. Uh, adjustments to to make them a little bit stronger or a little bit weaker so since tapestry since that experience i've brought on a data analyst who now looks at all that playtest data as, as it's coming in for different games different expansions he finds a lot of stuff that i don't see so i think um there's some valid complaints about the balance in tapestry i think it's still i still have a lot of fun playing tapestry for me it's a, a ton of fun um but, uh, in future games if people are concerned about balance that we, we do have think we've pretty much solved it i think there still is no comparison to 200 playtests to 10,000 different people around the world playing the game we're always going to learn something new from that mm-hmm. but, uh, but i think we'll, we'll our games will be uh, a little bit more balanced coming out in the future mm-hmm. uh you mentioned about the reception uh, on tapestry and w- one of our friends here uh, in the uh, local community, Benj, he's a big fan of Tapestry, all right? And he, he insists that we ask you this question. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he means the world here. Uh, it means the world to him when we say uh, to you, Jamie, how does it feel to have designed the greatest game of all time? Says Benj. <laughs> in, re- in reference, I believe, to Tapestry. So w- how do you feel about the, the uh, reception? Well, that, that, I mean, that comment... That means a lot to me that that, that, that you that you love the game. Um, uh, I mean, that's why I make I make games so that, that other people can have fun playing them. So if you've had a lot of fun playing Tapestry, that that really does mean a lot to me. For reals, though, uh, are there any plans for Tapestry in the future? Someone was uh, asking actually um, possible expansions uh, or, or board game. Uh, sorry, uh, video games. Uh, an implementation, say, of Tapestry in the works. Both of those are in the works. Um, there will be. I actually, uh, the, the expansion is wrapping up production right now. So the, the, the first expansion, um, I have a, you can't see it on camera, but it's hidden below all this stuff. I have, I have the, the final box it's right down there. It's okay. right there. It's right there. We'll come out later this year. We are working with a, a digital company to bring it to the, the, a full digital version. And we're working with Board Game Arena. So it'll be on Board Game Arena hopefully later this year as well. 
Nice. And I think that's very necessary. I think a lot of people have their copies of Tapestry. They're locked up at home and they're raring to go. And, you know, a, a video game uh, uh, implementation would be amazing. Uh, here's a question from Jericho. Uh, ever consider expanding the types of games Stonemaier publishes? Uh, a lot of your titles are under the category of strategy, right? And uh, I would agree that there is a certain kind of line that Stonemaier walks, but... Um, any plans of you know like opening up in the future no plans i mean we've kind of uh ourselves around the idea of what i describe as event games the, the main game of a game night so we don't really make filler games that play in 10 to 20 minutes i love filler games and we don't make them we also don't really make party games that play in that short amount of time and we also don't make games that play like three to four hours like mm -hmm. big giant epic games aim for those games that play in around an hour hour or two um and and most of them are strategy games with with uh that are that are euro games I, uh, those are the types of games that i gravitate towards so i think we'll probably stick with that there's always the chance that we'll get a game submission from another designer or maybe i'll have an idea that falls a little bit outside of that category but i don't think we're going to veer too far away from it mm -hmm. all right will all right. you ever see the roll and write game that you design into a, a pure physical product <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. Yes, I designed a game called Rolling Realms uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, so that I could play up an infinitely scaling roll and write game with people from around the world. And that's been a lot of fun. I didn't design it with the intent of publishing it. It has been received fairly well, and I don't think it would be expensive to publish. Uh, so it, it's something that I have priced out and and am considering making. But I don't know. I don't know yet. Uh, but but maybe. All right. There's there's a there's a. There's an actual thing. Um, Leuven here has a question uh, from the chat. Uh, Leuven asks, what's the hardest game mechanic for you to pull off? Like, speaking from uh, your experience or looking at what the industry is currently trying to go for, uh, what's the hardest game mechanic to pull off? Well, with Scythe, we were talking a little bit about Scythe, um, and this happened to Tapestry a little bit too. Combat, to me, is, is very, very difficult to design. Um, I went through... 20 to 25 different versions of combat inside until I came up with one that I was very happy with. But it's just very tough to balance combat to make it, to make you feel like you're making interesting decisions, but still have maybe some elements of randomness and variability. You need combat to be incentivized so that I feel there's a reason for me to attack you at a certain point, and there's also reasons for you to actually put up a defense if I attack you. Also, that if I do take an attack and strategy that I just don't do it constantly all over the board and ruin the game for everybody else. Um, all that is really tough to balance. Um, so uh, I, I would say combat is probably the most difficult mechanism uh, for me to design. All right. From, from difficult to something that's desirable, is there a game mechanic that you would like to work on in the future? You, you've had your fair share of, again, uh, Euro games worker placement might they be engine building is there a mechanic that you're raring to go at yeah, one of my favorite mechanisms is i cut you choose or i price you choose mm -hmm. it's found in uh, castles of magic and ludwig has the i price you choose um a lot of other games have, have uh, i cut you choose i love that mechanism and i don't think i've put it in any of my games that even even just a small card or anything like that so i'd love to design a, a game around that mechanism isle of sky also has a love isle of sky mm -hmm. uh, do you have any uh bets on who will win uh spiel the jahares uh, or kenner spiel this year 
<laughs> I love cartographers. I really, really love cartographers. Nice. Um, but I haven't played the crew, and I have a feeling just from what I've heard about it and what I know that uh, the, the judges seem to like, I have a feeling the crew will win it. Um, we'll see. I, I, have you guys played either of those games, the crew or, or uh, cartographers? I think there's uh, another cartographers. Spiel of nominees. I play cartographers? Uh, yeah. Um, it's one of the titles that uh, a lot of our teams have been really pushing for. Uh, we've been pushing Roll and Write as a big category because it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of times the easiest category to introduce. Like we just tell parents it's bingo and something uh, <laughs> to get them really hooked up. Uh, and, and Cartographers is one of the banner games that our team has uh, done their research on, and they're saying that this is one of the games that we should really promote. So that's why I had my eyes on Rolling Realms. <laughs> I'll send you a copy of <laughs> Rolling we'll Realms. See. We'll see how it goes. The Jamie Stegmaier <laughs> rolling right. Please make it happen. Um, that is uh, a question on everyone's mind, I think, because it's one of the it's one of the more interesting years in in this field, the Yaris, right? I mean, with the pandemic happening and board gaming in a little bit of uh, an interesting situation. But yeah, uh, glad to hear your opinions on it. Uh, that definitely is a like a green light for a lot of people to look into. Uh, your choices for uh, the winners but uh, I got another question here we're talking about influences uh, what games uh, have you played or, or designers you looked up to before getting to the business what were those uh, who were those or what games were those one of the games that really got me into the hobby as an adult was Agricola so Uwe Rosenberg starting with Agricola and, and ranging through a number of his games I love A Feast for Odin love Ora and Labora Sounds like you're a fan too, Hans. Uh, yes. <laughs> I love this word. Um, and also Rob Davio. I, I, Rob Davio is, is a designer who, who does so many innovative things, do amazing storytelling. He's the guy that designs all the, like, or many of the legacy games, Risk Legacy, Pandemic Legacy. Um, I haven't played Betrayal Legacy yet, but he is, uh, he is a, a fascinating designer to follow. So I love their work. They're both very inspiring to me. Right. Do you have a favorite uh, Uva Rosenberg? Uh, Agricola. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it, it's one of those games that I, I, I play constantly until like 4 a.m. And to the point that I've memorized a lot of the cards. Uh, but I guess in terms of business, like it, it has taught me one of the most meaningful lessons uh, that I've ever learned, uh, which is the difference from negative one to one is actually two. It's not just one. Uh, I, I, like you always think it's just one space, but really it's about two, and, and that's why like when you run your business, um, you always have to consider more on uh, your cash outflows and your uh, expenses because those those um, are a lot harder to just inc uh, versus increasing sales. So uh, that's one of the things that I've really validated. Uh, my admiration for for uh, for Agricola and Lehav and all of his other games. I would say Agricola too. Like that that would be uh, for a different reason though. Like uh, I, I swear I thought Hans was gonna say, "Remember to feed your people." I thought that was the lesson. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people say that's the, that's a stressful part of Agricola. It's like because it's a negative player experience, right? Like, oh no, I forgot to feed my people. 
yada 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 like the game is punishing me for it but yeah it, it essentially feels like the sims for me right like you're living your life yeah. no game at all has ever made me feel like yo i want to be a farmer like after every game of agricola and i stand up like i'm gonna go be a farmer guys so yeah that's i love it, I get it. the theme is so strong for for such a euro game right and it's it's such an earlier design at least in the industry but yeah hans um i think we're about to wrap up uh, tonight but i think you have one more big question here for jamie right and it's a little it's a little bit more on the business side yes uh so jamie i, I guess this is like one of the trends that a lot of people in the community follow um like um a lot of people notice that hey uh, this company is acquiring this company um uh indie boards and cards and stronghold merged to become a bigger company and they've seen that it is a trend be- where people you know do it because of financial reasons and stability reasons i would say more for the long run Um, and this is something uh, you can opt not to answer uh, if you feel you're not ready for it. Uh, like, but have you ever considered that in the future you might merge or be acquired uh, uh, from a business point of view uh, for Stone Meyer Games? Have had. Um, would I? It's a good question to answer. We did have a few company years ago. I never even thought that some of that company would want to acquire some of our games. And then a company did approach us around four years ago. Um, and that, so I started, it wasn't something that ended up working out, but it was something I started to think about after that. I think the, the terms under which I would ever consider it, if we could continue to operate independently, um, adding value to whatever the bigger company is, but pretty much as we currently do because I really enjoy the freedom that I currently have in in terms of the decisions that I make as a company and I think our people who uh, like our products and are fans of Stormar Games like us having that independence and that fluidity if we were able to retain that it is something that I would consider in the future but it isn't something that I actively pursue um, we have a great uh Of, uh, of shareholders that support Stomar Games and that, that have invested in Stomar Games as individual people, um, and, uh, and and that 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 uh, in our we we remain independently profitable and, and operational. So it isn't something that we have needed to seek out at this point. In the future, uh, possibly. I, I'm not com- not close to it. I'm just maybe a little open to it if, if, uh, if the ever if the right situation ever came around. All right. Okay, cool. So, um, to close up uh, tonight's uh, quick interview, thank you again, Jamie, for putting some time away uh, for us here at the gaming library. Um, I have a like fast talk segment for you uh, that I prepared just literally on the fly, and all you gotta do is answer the question with one choice of uh, those presented to you. All right, it's either one or the other, and then we'll go about it. I got a handful. You ready? Do it. All right, cool. This, guys, uh, is your last call for questions for Jamie uh, while we do this little segment here. Uh, hope you have fun. And uh, again, put them in the chat if you have any more questions. All right, ready, Jamie? Here we go. First or second player? Second. Left or right? Uh, I'll go with right. Larger player count, smaller player count? Lately, smaller player count because of the pandemic. Mountains or the beach? Ooh, ooh. With mountains. All right. Spicy or sweet? Dice or cards? 
Of rolling dice. <laughs> Alright. Uh, dragons or Krakens? Wine or beer? Beer, yeah? Yeah, I, li I like actually like hard cider the best. Alright. Uh, the Beatles? The Beatles or Queen? Queen, I think. I like both the music, but I'll go with Queen. Alright. And uh, <laughs> this is going to be the last question. Spring or summer? Go with spring. The U.S. or my area, spring is pretty rainy, but the, it's not too hot. It gets pretty hot here in the summer. All right, all right. I like asking about seasons because in the Philippines we barely have any. It's, it's usually just really hot or rainy, so I just like asking about what spring is like because we just don't know the difference. But ladies and gentlemen, once more, Jamie Stegmeyer from Stonemeyer Games again. Uh, one of our most favorite designers of all time. Uh, again, uh, if you have any more questions, uh, we'll try to get him the next time. And uh, do uh, let us know who else you'd like to see on G Live. But Jamie, before we let you go, uh, anything you'd like to say to your fans here in the Philippines? And uh, where can we catch you next? Yeah, to, to any of our fans in the Philippines, thank you so much for playing our games. I, that really does, uh, like the Benjamin's comment earlier about enjoying Tapestry, that really really does mean a lot to me. So thank you for playing our games. And uh, if you want to find out more about Stonemaier Games, everything is on our website, uh, stonemaiergames.com. You can find my Instagram there, Facebook, Twitter, all the different places that I post, and YouTube. So stonemaiergames.com. All right. Uh, Hans, before we uh, close up, uh, any uh, last uh, few words here? Oh, uh, get your... Uh, for everyone looking for Wingspan... <laughs> we're, we're still waiting for the restock. <laughs> uh, uh, but definitely watch out for uh, Tapestry and the expansion. I, I know a lot of people are super addicted to Tapestry. Uh, and um, hopefully, um, everyone cheer for Rolling Realms so that Jamie brings it to life. <laughs> Just ask for it. Just ask for it, guys. Just bother him on social media. <laughs> Right. After this, after this recording, uh, this this stream, I'm gonna go on Twitter and just ask for it. All right, hashtag Rolling Realms, make it happen. All right. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all so much for joining us on tonight's G Live. Once again, Jamie, uh, this means the world to us. Thank you, and uh, you take care. All right. Yeah, guys. Thank you. Good night. Bye. See you guys next week. Guys, take care. See ya.